Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. You know, I actually don't think Jennifer's going to be the last person who gets baptized here today. I actually think there's some others here today who are going to make the decision to be obedient uh, to Christ and to declare their faith publicly by getting baptized. I, uh, I said to, uh, to Dave on Tuesday, I said, get a pile of clothes, get a pile of towels and have them up in the back office and at the end, anybody here who just uh, knows that God's calling them to get baptized, we got everything that you need to get baptized. So this morning... If you want to make that decision, Dave's going to be up the back a little bit later and Lydia will be there too and Nathan and uh, we'll help you uh, get organised. But I want to get straight into God's Word. Uh, this morning, let's read from Acts chapter 16, verse 6. It says, Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision... We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I've got four U's for us this morning. Four U's is pretty unprecedented. Any preacher can preach three P's. You actually don't even have to be saved to preach three C's. But four U's. Four, four years is, is remarkable and it is the leading of the Holy Spirit. The first one is this, the unction, everyone say unction. Unction, it's a word that doesn't get used enough anymore. When I was a kid, my grandmother used to sing this song, you know, give me unction in my uh, gumption, help me function. Who remembers that song? Put your hands up. You know, all the old people in the room and Melise up the back too. Give me unction in my gumption, you know, help me function. The unction of the Holy Spirit leads us to people who need Jesus. In this story we we just read, Paul and his companions, they they, they try to to enter into what is now modern-day Turkey, the province of Asia, and it says the Holy Spirit stops them from going there. And then they tried to move into Bithynia, but the Spirit kept them from going any further. Who else would like the footnotes for these couple of verses? How? How did the Holy Spirit stop them? How did the Spirit keep them from going any further? You know, was there some sort of magnetic force field came down and they just couldn't, you know, progress any further? You know, was there some sign that came down from heaven and said, no Bible believers any further? You know, was there some, you know, thunder and lightning in the sky? The answer is we don't know. 
But my hunch is that if it had been something very demonstrative like that, Luke the historian would have recorded it because he records lots of other moments you know, where the Holy Spirit turns up in power. Dave read one of them before. The, the room actually shook, you know, as they prayed. I, I think these guys simply listened to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. I, I think they just were walking with God and they were allowing the Spirit to speak to them. And the Spirit said, don't go there and don't go there because i got somewhere else for you to go. See, the Holy Spirit, you know, has always come upon, you know, in the Old Testament, certain people at certain times for certain tasks. You know, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain people to do, you know, remarkable things for God. Give, the Holy Spirit would give them power. The Holy Spirit would give them wisdom. If you read through the Old Testament, we see certain times, certain people, certain tasks. But there was a change at Pentecost. Holy Spirit is simply the third person of, of, the, of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the, whole, the Holy Spirit has always breathed life into people, you know, right from the very beginning. But at Pentecost, there was a change. The Holy Spirit was no longer just given to certain people at certain times for certain tasks, but the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people, all believers, young and old, men and women. The Holy Spirit was, was, was upon people, it was, it was an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon all people who had put their faith in Christ. It was like tongues of fire came down and landed, you know, upon them as a picture of, of God's Spirit anointing them. And that's what this word unction means. It means anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon us. The Holy Spirit lives within us if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit fills us, amen, the Holy Spirit fills us with power and the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us every day. And we see in this story, the unction of the Spirit leads us to people who need Jesus. Let me just share one of my most powerful moments in uh, just seeing the Spirit lead us to people who need Jesus. In, in 2008, there was a lady in our church who had a dream even crazier than the one that Paul had about a man from Macedonia saying, come and help us. She woke up in the middle of the night and felt God was saying, I want you to go to Cambodia and teach girls rescued from sex trafficking how to make sugar flowers. That's a crazy dream. But, but as she started to share it with me, I just felt like, you know, God was in it. God was saying something. And so I found myself in Cambodia in 2008 for the first time in my life, you know, looking at what it would mean to start a vocational training center for girls rescued from trafficking. And I got to admit, I got to the end of the week and I thought, this is too hard. This is too big. We don't know what we're doing. But I was distinctly remember sitting in this tuk-tuk outside a brothel where Nita, this uh, girl on the screen, lived. Girl who'd been trafficked at the age of 12. A little, little baby at the age of 16. 
and the brothel owner said she too will be trafficked when she comes of age. I just remember sitting outside this awful place, about to go on a comfortable plane back to comfortable Brisbane. And I just felt the whisper of the Spirit, the unction of the Spirit within me say, do it for Nita, she's worth the effort. And I'm so glad that we did. Because we have seen hundreds of girls set free from trafficking, come to know Jesus, being baptized, just like uh, Jennifer was this morning. And Jesus has given them hope for the future and he's healing them one day at a time. And I just want to say a huge thank you because at Christmas, together as a church, we gave a gift of $347,000 to build an early learning center. where the next generation, like that little baby on the screen, will be safe from the horrors of human trafficking. They'll never face what their mothers had to face. I just want to thank you for for your incredible generosity, and I want to remind us that the Holy Spirit is still leading us to people who need Jesus now in miraculous ways. And sometimes it's just going to take a little bit of faith to say, God, I think you're saying this. Because I don't know about you, I don't get too many magnetic force fields. I don't get signs from heaven just making it abundantly clear what to do next. I don't get words written on the, in the sky or on the wall. In fact, the only time God writes on the wall, it wasn't good news. So maybe you don't want him to write uh, you know, on the wall for you. Sometimes we've just got to listen to the unction of the Spirit within us. The reason Paul and his companions, you know, could be directed was because they were moving. That's what our MOVE conference is all about in the middle of the year. We, we just want to come before God and say, God, give us our marching orders. Speak to us. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your Spirit. And speak to us about the next step that you're calling us to take. Now, I remember... I remember sitting in a, uh, a leadership conference uh, way back in 2011, and I'd had a heart for planting churches for 20 years, but I'd never done it. Never done it. I remember sitting in this conference, and I just heard God speak to me in a really quiet whisper. He said, this is not your imagination, Jason. This is what I've called you to do. And I remember writing down at that moment, God, I am willing to plant churches in this nation for the next 20 years. Fill me with your spirit. Give me courage to obey your voice. The next year, we planted our very first campus down at Ormo, and we've kept planting campuses. And this is how Logan uh, came about. We just believe God's calling us to keep planting churches. Now God's positioned me in a place with Queensland Baptist where I'm encouraging 220 churches around our state to look at where is their next place to plant. It just came from a little whisper. But there's a willingness to say, God, I'm going to move with you. I'm going to take this next step of faith. I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit lives within you. And the unction of the Spirit will always lead us to people who need Jesus. And the Spirit fills us with an urgency 
to share the good news of Jesus. You know, Paul and his companions wanted to go to modern-day Turkey because they could walk there. They wanted to go into Bithynia because they could walk there. They were land lovers. They, they hated the sea. They didn't want to get on a boat. In fact, they hate the sea so much that, that they actually, you know, hope and dream that heaven has no water and no waves. I'm hoping that that is metaphorical when I get there. I, I want waves for eternity. These guys hated the water. They were scared of the water. They didn't want to get on a boat. There was no cruise liners. There was no jet skis. There was no life jackets. There was no floaties. They were dodgy old wooden boats. To get to Macedonia, they had to get on a boat for two days and two nights. It is not what they wanted to do. They wanted to walk on foot. But it says, as soon as God spoke in this dream, they got ready at once. There was an urgency to share the gospel. That's what the Spirit does when He fills us. In Acts chapter 1, you know, Jesus, as He's ascending to heaven, Jesus says, I don't want you to do anything. I don't want you to go anywhere until my Spirit comes upon you. Then when you receive power from on high, then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Luke, the historian, for the next 15 chapters, records ordinary people filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, sharing the good news of Jesus. But there's a change here in chapter 16. I just want to put verse 10 uh, back up again. Who can see the change? Just, I uh, guess, go back a slide, Emma. I've helped you. I've given you a little underline. It says, after Paul had seen the vision... We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. We concluded that God was calling us to preach the gospel to them. Who noticed the change? Come on, just someone say it. It moves from third person to first person for the first time in the book of Acts. Luke, the historian, becomes Luke, the evangelist. Luke, the doctor, becomes Luke, the missionary. No longer is he just celebrating and recording the stories of what others are doing in sharing the gospel. At this point, Luke joins the mission team. And he's known as Luke the evangelist for the next 2,000 years. As I've read and reflected on this verse... I just believe God is saying, that's what I want for you. You see, as a church, we've been really good at celebrating, telling the stories and supporting those in mission out there around the world. It's one of the beautiful things about our church, and it will continue to be into the future. But I believe that, that God is calling all of us to join the mission team, to actually be part of sharing the good news of Jesus. That's what happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. There is an urgency. And maybe if you're here this morning and you're going, I don't feel that urgency. Or maybe that's God saying, let me fill you. Because when we're filled with the Spirit, there is an urgency to go anywhere. 
do anything God says. Let me give you a really simple way. A really, really simple way of joining the mission team. Invite someone who doesn't know Jesus to come to Alpha and come with them. It's pretty simple. We can all do that. They can't come to Alpha during the week. Invite someone you live, work and laugh with who doesn't know Jesus to come to church and come with them. Join the mission team. When, when, when we're filled with the Spirit, there's an urgency to share the good news. Third you is, is actually, that there's three yous in the third point. This is an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of yous. Unexpected, the Spirit leads us, leads unexpected people to unexpected places to plant unprecedented churches. Can you just put your hands together for three yous there this morning, please? Holy Spirit leads unexpected people to unexpected places to plant unprecedented churches. Let me just read just a couple of verses in the next, uh, uh, the next part of the story. It says, On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected. All right, well, this is what they were expecting. They were expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who'd gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. They went to the river expecting to find a place of prayer. But when they got there, they found that God had unexpectedly already started to answer their prayer. This lady, Lydia, is the first convert in Philippi. Philippi was, it was a city in the, town, in the region of Macedonia, and she's the first convert. She was a, a worshipper of God. She was a Gentile. She hadn't converted to, uh, to, to Judaism, but she had sympathy for. She, she wanted to know about God. She wanted to know how to worship God. And Paul comes along and shares the good news of Jesus and says, well, this is how you can do it. And she immediately, along with all of her family, gets baptized. Can I encourage you this morning? There's lots of Lydia's in our community. You know, sometimes if we just read our social media feed or, or we just listen to certain news outlets, you'd think the whole of this nation is full of angry atheists. It's not true. That there are many Lydia's in our community. In fact, uh, there's been research done in the last two years that says 30% of people, one in three people, will come to church if they're invited by a friend. If you're under 25, that actually goes up to 50%. It's a pretty good strike rate. You'll only get rejected two out of three times if you're old and one out of two times if you're young. It's much better odds than winning the lottery and there'll be a lot more celebration in heaven when one person comes to know Jesus than when if anyone wins the lottery. There's lots of Lydia's. She's a wealthy businesswoman. She wants to know God. She is seeking 
God and her whole family immediately gets baptized. The second convert in Philippi is very different to Lydia. And she's a, she's a tormented young slave girl. She's demented, tormented by an evil spirit. And this spirit enables her to tell people's fortunes and her slave owners are making a lot of money off of her. And in everywhere that Paul went sharing the gospel, it says that she would shout out, these men are servants of the Most High God telling you how to be saved. Listen to what it says in verse 18. In verse 18, it says, finally Paul became so, so what? Annoyed. That he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. I love this. Paul the Apostle, Paul the writer of half the New Testament, got annoyed. It gives me hope that the God uses ordinary broken people like me who get annoyed at silly things. God does. He uses ordinary people like you and me, fills us with his spirit. And he does unexpected things. With a spirit living within you, you should be expecting the unexpected. You should be waiting for what God is going to do next. And I know there's many people like this tormented slave girl in our community today. Not all tormented by demons, some by bullying, uh, others by mental health issues, family breakdown, but tormented and broken. And I know that God still heals miraculously today. My, my mum suffered with agoraphobia for 20 years, locked herself at home and never left the house. One day, pastor prayed for her in Monday morning in October 1985 and she was set free. She walked halfway around the world, started businesses, new woman. My dad, my whole childhood and well into my adult life, suffered with asthma. I remember wheeling him into hospital, barely able to get breath into his lungs multiple times. One time he was sitting in a church like this and the guy at the front had a word that God wanted to heal someone of asthma. And this is the, the crazy bit. And he was telling, uh, God was saying, you need to run around the building seven times and God's going to heal you. My dad never ran except that day. He ran, and I've never seen him use a puffer ever again. Completely healed. My own daughter at 14 suffered terribly with anorexia. And we prayed for years. And over four years, God healed her. And part of the healing that came for her was actually going to Cambodia to serve at Bloom for 12 months straight out of school. And as she ministered and served others in deep need, God healed her on the inside. And she's competing in a CrossFit competition again this week. And she is strong spiritually and physically. I know God still heals today. And our family, we needed medical and professional help to keep people alive. But the miraculous healing of Jesus set people free. 
That's why as a church, we've got counseling centers, we've got care centers, we're reaching out, you know, into our community and walking alongside people, giving professional help where it's needed, giving practical goods where it's, where it's needed, and believing together that Jesus still heals and sets free today. Unexpected people, unexpected places. God is at work in miraculous ways. The third convert in uh, Philippi is a crusty old Roman jailer. He is probably served in the, the Roman army. He's probably bowed down to all sorts of other gods. But as He's doing his job in the jail and Paul and his companions were locked up because they caused such a commotion by setting this young slave girl free. They're worshipping, they're praying, they're crying out to God and God sends a powerful earthquake and the gates of the prison come flying open and the jailer rushes in and he thinks that he has failed in his responsibilities. He thinks everybody has escaped and he's about to end his life. And Paul cries out and says, don't do it. And he shares the gospel with him. And listen to uh, what it says in uh, verse 33. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then, everyone say it. Immediately. He and all his household were baptized. Can I encourage you today? This is the first time this man has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God came to earth, died on a cross to forgive his sins, and on the third day rose from the dead, and through faith in Christ, your sins can be forgiven, and you can enter into eternal life, because Jesus has gone through death and come out the other side for you. He's grown up in a completely different religious understanding. He hears the gospel for the first time and he immediately gets baptized. There's someone here that needs to immediately get baptized today. You've been making excuses. I don't know what your excuses are. Maybe you think you don't know enough, you don't behave well enough, you haven't got your life sorted out enough. I'm telling you, this guy had a lot of theology that he needed to learn, but he knew that Jesus was his saviour. I don't know what your excuses are, and I very much doubt it's that you don't have a towel. But today, we got towels for you. As we finish the service today, if you just know you got faith in Jesus Christ, but you haven't been obedient to get baptised, I want to encourage you, walk to the back, Dave and, and Lydia and Nathan will be there, they'll give you a towel, they've got spare clothes for you, we're going to celebrate with you in a few minutes, I'm confident there's someone else here today that, that needs to get baptized. God does unexpected things. When His Holy Spirit is at work in His church, the Holy Spirit leads unexpected people, unexpected places to plant unprecedented churches. And I think some of you this morning, you got an unprecedented prayer on your heart. This is my encouragement for you. It's unprecedented because you've never seen it happen in your own life, but it's not unprecedented in Scripture. And so it might be you're believing for healing or you're believing for a whole family to come to know Jesus or you're believing for someone to be saved or you're believing for a powerful breakthrough and to be set free and, and you've actually never experienced that thing in your own life. Some of you actually need to receive faith by what God has done in the past. 
because it's not unprecedented in history. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Do we believe that this morning? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He still does unexpected things when, when people have just got a little bit of expectant faith in their hearts, you know, to believe for a miracle. Some of you got an unprecedented prayer to pray this morning. Last you is that the Holy Spirit binds the church together in unity. We used to sing a song when I was growing up, bind us together, Lord, with chains that cannot be broken. Who remembers that song? You know, I used to always miss when that song was going to be sung. I always wanted to be sitting next to Susan, my wife, so I could hold her hand because the guy at the front would always say, we're going to do something different today. As we sing this song, we're going to hold hands together. It was the same thing every time. Every time we sang the song, I was sitting next to some hairy, sweaty old man. And one of my mates was sitting next to Susan. And I did not want to be bound together in unity. I wanted to make a fist and punch him in the nose. He was smirking at me across the aisle. But this is what the Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit binds the church together in unity. This is the first church. This is the bit you don't see from immediately reading the, the passage. This is the first ever church in Europe. Macedonia is modern-day Greece, first church in Europe. From here, the church, the church fathers of Rome rise up, and Christianity, you know, becomes the dominant religion of the Roman Empire within 250 years. You know, the reformers of Germany come and get the church back on track. Hundreds of years later, the Church of England rises up and actually starts to send missionaries out all over the world. This little group of Baptist breakaways, you know, break away and... Uh, and, and begin to plant different types of churches with a, with a greater freedom. And some of them came to Australia. And they began to share the good news of Jesus. And one of those churches was a little Sunday school in Holland Park in 1928. This is Gateway's first ever building. In 1928, started a Sunday school and nine kids came along to hear the good news of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit has continued to move. The Holy Spirit has bound people together in unity from all different nations and all different campuses, believing together for a mighty move of God into the future. Because God has been so good to us over the last 93 years, but I believe in all of my heart that the best is yet to come. That we are going to see a move of God as His church comes together in unity. You see, this, uh, this church was made up of a, uh, a suicidal Roman jailer, a tormented slave girl and a wealthy businesswoman. People from different racial backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses, different walks of life they came together and they met together around a table in Lydia's house and they begin to love God and to love one another what we need to understand is this had never ever happened in the Roman Empire people of different classes and different races didn't sit around a table together until the church came along and it was a powerful testimony that Jesus was alive as this disparate group of people chose to love one another. 
And I tell you, it's still a testimony to our community today. People from different nations, different backgrounds, different walks of life come together and we choose to love one another. We choose to worship together in unity. It's a testimony. And we've got an exciting time coming up in our church in the next couple of weeks, 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're, we're going to do what this talks about. We're going to do what 1 Corinthians 12 talks about. We're going to help every single person in the body discover their gift and we're going to honour one another and pray for one another and, and choose to, to serve together in unity. We're going to pray together for breakthrough, for a mighty move of God. And we're going to stand together in unity and pray in all of our campuses for God to move in our communities that many would come to know Jesus. What we're a part of today has always been the heart of God. God's been leading His church by His Spirit throughout all of history. I believe we're standing in a really exciting time in history. We're going to see God do something mighty in this nation. He's looking for people who will simply be led by the unction of the Holy Spirit. A faith in their heart, an expectant faith in their heart for the unexpected, with an unprecedented prayer. We stand together in unity and love one another and love our community. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.